The Cambridge Dictionary defines the verb grace as being in a place and making it look more attractive. Well, that's the thing about parenthood. Sometimes it's the last thing you think when you hear that word. But to us, for something to be beautiful, I mean truly beautiful, it has to be imperfectly perfect. There is no right way to be a parent. There is only doing it to the best of your ability. And that is what we define as growing with grace. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, guys, and welcome back. Thanks so much for being patient with us and um, accepting the fact that we didn't put out an episode last week. But we are back at it this week with episode 12 and the third and final part of our three-part series of birth stories. And today we're going to talk about Jack. Hey guys, it's Tyla. I just wanted to remind you to check us out on social media, follow us on Instagram at growingwithgracepodcast.com and check out our website, growingwithgracepodcast.com. Well, let's get into it. So today we're going to be talking about another birth story, Jack, Kiana's son. So Kiana, how old were you when you had Jack and was Jack planned? It's funny because now you're putting me on the spot with your numbers. (laughs) I don't remember exactly how old I was with Jack. Um, He is going to be six and I'm, how old am I? 28. So maybe 22, 23. I don't even know. Um, But what is important is that Jack was planned. In between Grace and Jack, we did have an unplanned pregnancy and I, it ended up being a miscarriage. But the problem with that was that I actually had to have a DNC to have it removed because my body did not know that I was miscarrying. Um, at the time I was on birth control, so it was totally unplanned. Um, but it, it was definitely a really trying time because when you get hit with the news that you're not planning to have a baby, just kind of like with grace, we were not really ready for another baby at that point in time, but we were ready. We we mentally started preparing ourselves and it took probably three weeks between finding out that I was pregnant to the procedure that I had the DNC, um, to, and almost every single day was up in arms. They weren't sure my levels were going up, but they didn't necessarily hear a heartbeat, but maybe it was before it was too soon. So they basically had to have time to see if the baby would progress and it ended up not progressing, but my body never accepted that. And it, my, my levels were going up, but the fetus was not growing. So I had to have a DNC. So by the time that we had Jack, Grace was, I think they're six years apart. And by the time that we had Jack, um, it it was time we were, we had just gotten engaged and we knew that if we were going to have a baby, it had to be soon because Grace was six at that point and she was going into school. And I definitely didn't want to have a full grown kid and then a baby and have to do it all over again. So that's when we decided. And even Grace was like, I'm ready. I want a sibling. She actually was like, I want a sister. And even now she's like, I wished for a sister. I'm like, that's not how it works. (laughs) You don't get to pick. Um, so yeah, so we found out we were pregnant with Jack. Um, I I think it was right before my brother-in-law's wedding. Um, we had found out and then we went, we all went on a vacation to the Cape as a family. And I tried to I think I hid it for a little while just because of the miscarriage before. I don't want to say hit it, but we just, we weren't sharing the news quite yet. Um, But it was really Mm -hmm. hard being on vacation. And I was slightly nauseous, not nearly as nauseous as I was with Grace, but there was like a two week period where I just was not feeling so great. And um, I was trying to not, to not, not ruin the vacation and be like, oh, I'm pregnant, but we're not sure because I had a miscarriage. Cause at that point I hadn't told anyone 
only a few people had known that I had a miscarriage and that I had to have a DNC to have it removed two years prior. So it was kind of a, we were definitely planning it. We were engaged at that point, but um, it was, it was, it happened faster than what we thought it was going to be, which we're incredibly blessed, especially with having the miscarriage previously. But we decided that we wanted to have a spring summer baby. And, you know, in the summer was when we were going to give it a go. And like that month, the month that we tried, we ended up conceiving. And then it was just kind of poor planning because I should have waited a little bit longer. So that way we could make it through my in-laws wedding and then the vacation, but it is what it is. And it happened the way it did. Yeah. So do you want to let the listeners know what, cause I didn't even actually know what it was. I had to Google it. Cause mm-hmm. I kept thinking you were saying D N C, but it's not D N C it's a D and C. So Correct. what is a D and C? So like I had said before that my body didn't realize that it wasn't my, my body still thought that it was pregnant. So even though the fetus was not progressing, my hormone levels were still going up, but they weren't going up okay. at what they needed to be. So my, it's almost like a, it's not a false pregnancy because I was pregnant, but it, my, the fetus was not developing. And so what happens is there, I think there was like two options you could, you could choose or three options. Um, there was a pill that you could take where I might've been too far along for the pill. That was, that was the problem. So the pill I was too far along for the second option would be to eventually at some point, your body will recognize that the fetus is not progressing. Um, that mm-hmm. could be a month. It could be several months at that, at that time. This is what they told me. It could be, you know, it could be a week. It could be a couple of weeks, but eventually your body will realize it and then it will take care of it naturally. But, um, at that point with the hormones that I was feeling. And, and so I found out that I was pregnant and it was like February when I, and I found out I was pregnant in January. And then I ended up having the DNC, I think at the end of February. And okay. um, so it was just, it was, it was like four or five weeks of, it might've been three or four. I can't even remember at this point because it's so far. And it kind of like, it's such a thing that I just didn't really want to, I, I wrote a poem to Grace actually when it happened, but it's just something that I kind of, you never expect. And when it happens to you, every person takes it differently. And it was definitely something that emotionally my body feeling pregnant because I didn't feel normal. I felt nauseous. My breasts were tender. I, you know, I felt my, my body definitely felt like I was pregnant because the hormone levels were still there, but they weren't where they needed to be with the fetus not developing. So it was just, it was a really difficult decision, but, um, so Nick and I had talked about it. And one of the other options was to get a, it's called the dilation and cauterization, I believe is what it's called. You just looked it up. Is that what it's called? The DNC? Yeah. It's, um, I believe the term dilation and curatage, curatage. I don't know what that word is. Okay. So basically what happened was the day of the procedure, I had to go in and, um, they put you under. And they basically dilate your, so the dilation is they dilate your cervix and they open your cervix and they go in and for lack of not having a better term, they scrape, they scrape the baby out um, or the fetus that, you know, the, the, at that point it was not alive. So they just um, went in and took all of the, all of that out. I, and it, it's, it's a pretty quick procedure. Um, I do have to say it was, it was very painful. And at this point now I have really, really painful, um, menstruation cycle cycles and when I ovulate, it's extremely painful, but hmm. the afterwards, I wouldn't say it was the same as birth, but it was, you know, a lesser scale of that, like the amount of bleeding, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I didn't push a child through my vaginal canal. So that part was fine, but there was, you know, they had to go in with tools and get the fetus pieces out. And I think, I think they actually 
it's like probably really gruesome, but I think they actually cut it up into smaller pieces so that way it can come out easier. So they don't have to dilate you so far, but you are dilated. Um, and they do have to cut it up and they take it out or they suck it out depending on how big the fetus is. But yeah, so, so that's what I had in February and that was two years, I think before Jack. So Grace was, um, four at that point. And we, I just, we, I was, had a full-time job. I was, we were not in the mental space to be able to really think, okay, let's add another kid to the mix. Not that we had a choice or, you know, had, had it happened the way it needed to happen, we would have welcomed it just like grace, but it definitely, it, it was a really difficult thing to hear that you're pregnant and then not be mm-hmm, ready for I can it imagine. Well, and then not be ready for it. And then accept the fact that you're pregnant, even though you weren't ready for it and necessarily weren't planning for it and then get excited about it. And then to be told, well, maybe you're not. And I think that was the hardest thing to hear because you're left in a limbo of maybe and maybe is such a, like, maybe to me is worse than you're not because maybe like, it's just, cause you, you have hope, that, you hope. have, right. You have that hope of, okay, well, I didn't want this baby. And now you feel guilty because you're like, I didn't want a baby, but then I accepted the fact that I wanted a baby. And now here we are. And it was just pretty, it, it was definitely a difficult, difficult mental space to be in. And, um, even being far along. So I can't even imagine what it's like to lose a baby even further along than that, especially when you're planning, it's got to be extremely mm-hmm. heartbreaking, but yeah. So Jack was planned. <laughs> um, and I had a DNC before okay. two years before previously. Okay. So moving on from that, do you remember leading up to Jack's birth? Did you have any like Braxton Hicks contractions or how, how was your pregnancy overall? Was it a smooth pregnancy? Yeah. So definitely a lot, nothing as traumatic as what grace was coming into the world or, you know, bringing grace into the world with the whole losing 30 pounds. And at the start, I had nausea for like two weeks and then I was fine. Mm-hmm. And with Jack, I don't know if it's because my body knew what to do or because I swear in my, in my, I tell myself it's because he was a boy so that I didn't have the extra estrogen messing with me. Mm-hmm. I think I swear to God, a girl's girls could make you a little bit more crazy because the extra estrogen, or at least they did it for me. That's how I felt. And, um, yeah, so I, I did, I did have some Braxton Hicks, but Jack's official due date was, I think it was April 22nd and we were shooting for a May baby. But again, like we had said, we'd planned, but we'd, we thought, Oh, it'd take a month or two to get to conceive. And it ended up just immediately happening. Um, Mm. so yeah, we, I, I did have Braxton Hicks, but he, he was, his due date was April 22nd, but he actually came on the 7th of April, which is the day before your birthday. It is. So did you go into labor naturally or were you induced? Um, I was at that point, I was not induced. No, my water never broke, but again, with same thing with grace, I progressed really. Cause again, I had like the anxiety of like, I did not want to go to the hospital and be turned away. That was not what I wanted. Did you have your membrane stripped or, um, I don't believe so with Jack with grace. I did. I was going to say, I don't believe I did with Jack Jack, because it was early, right? Because he was so early. It was a few weeks early. Yeah. But when they do those predict predictions and like we were tracking it, but not really like Mm -hmm. Jack was 8.2. So even though his due date was on April 22nd, those, those due dates and like the amount of time, really just estimates, right? Exactly. He was eight pounds. He was eight, eight pounds, pounds two, two ounces. ounces, right? So Grace was seven pounds okay. two ounces. He was eight pounds two ounces. So he was a pretty big baby. Yeah, he that, he oh, average. Yeah, average. I think average yeah. is like seven. So he was a little bit on the said between seven and eight. So he was a little bit bigger than mm-hmm. an average baby. But yeah, he was. So he was. So it's not like he was malnourished or anything. But I remember the day leading up to it. Um, and that it's funny because you were telling the story last week with JT, and I remember when I had Jack. 
there was a song that I had on repeat that Brandy, my sister had just introduced to me. Um, and it's by the Blackstreet Boys, No Diggity. And I would go on like a three mile walk for like that. What one did day. you just say? No Diggity by the Blackstreet Boys. That's their name, Black Street. Boys. Yes. Not- when I, so when Brandy oh. first, okay, funny story, little ad lib. Um, when Brandy first showed me that, I thought it was from the Backstreet Boys. So when I tried to look it up, like at the end of my labor, I'm like, oh, I really like that song. It's got a good beat to it. Like I was like swaying my hips and like dancing and doing all of the things because I was feeling pretty at that point when you want the baby to come out, you just want the baby to come out and you can feel your body getting ready. So yes, he was due on the 22nd, but they had switched his due date further as, as he went on. And we knew that he was, you know, progressing and he was a good size. So you're just kind of like waiting for the baby to come out. And I could feel my body like really getting ready with the Braxton Hicks. So I went to look up the song and I called Brandy and I was like, I rate, I was like, I can't figure this song out. Like I, I was looked up the Backstreet Boys and I cannot find it. She's like, no, it's the Blackstreet Boys. I'm like, you are messing with me. And she's like, no, <laughs> well, that's literally, so I name. just looked them up. I guess the, the group is called Blackstreet, not Blackstreet. Boys. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Well, but so, so when she said <laughs> I was it to like, me, I was, I was like, like, how oh could they God. get away with that? Cause I feel like Backstreet and Blackstreet Boys that's so close, close right now. yeah so it was a they wouldn't be allowed to that, like I, I was like funny. I was trying to find the song and I was like she she just laughed at me and she's like no it's so it's Blackstreet and I was like oh that's my problem but yeah so I listened <laughs> to that song on repeat and I did like two or three miles a day in the morning and then I'd walk at night and like you had said I was doing all of the activities the extracurricular activities I was dancing I was swaying my hips I was you know stretching my pelvis like I was ready 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 um, at that point. And I, I knew that my body was getting ready because I was having Braxton Hicks for the last two weeks, like, and they were getting stronger and stronger and I was timing them. But again, I didn't want to go and not be ready. And having had the original due date of the 22nd, we weren't really positive that now was the time, but I went into labor on April 6th officially. Okay. So how long did you labor for and how long did you push for? So if you don't, she had pretty sure you had quick easy labor. Yeah. So I, I, if you don't count like the laboring at home, so again, with grace and I might've misspoke cause I re-listened to the episode. I had said that I was like five centimeters along with grace. I don't think I was five. I think I was like three because I remember with Jack, I went in and they checked me. And as soon as they checked me in that room, the lady like panicked because, um, she, she checked me or no, I was like, I have to, before you got there. And when you were at home, like, how did you know, were you having contractions? Yeah, I was having contractions and I was timing them. And I waited till they were like five minutes apart. Um, I waited till they were five minutes apart. So when we were in the car okay. and at that point we had grace. So we had dropped her off to a family friend, the Miller, some shout out again. It's funny. I had shouted them out in the food grocery episode and um, Mrs. Miller had reached out to me and was like, I heard you're talking about me. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I did. Like I, you know, I mentioned how you do the grocery shopping. So again, shout out to Jenny Miller. Um, she had watched grace for us. She was a few roads down a childhood friend of mine, Sammy Miller, her mom. And she was, she was like, yeah, I'll take grace. So thank you to her for watching grace because all of the people that would have watched grace were in the room with me at the time that Jack was being born, but I had gone into labor. And when I went into that room where they check you, they, um, the lady had, I said, I had to pee. And she's like, well, let me check. Because sometimes when you have that sensation, it's actually the baby's here. I'm like, but I just got here and you haven't checked me. And I've been through this before. And I know it doesn't happen that quick. And she's like, yeah, but just let me check because I just don't want you to like give birth to a baby in a toilet. And I'm like, okay, fine. So she checked. And at that point I was five plus centimeters dilated. And when she said that to me, I I was kind of like dumbfounded because I know that getting to that five plus centimeters is, um, 
like, that's like one of the lumps that they say, like you get to the five centimeters and then you're really, you're really into active labor trying to get the baby ready to come. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she didn't let me pee and I had to wait for a doctor and the doctor had to come check me and make sure that it was okay that I had to pee. And then I went pee. And I remember panicking because I had heard that the hospital policy was like, after you reach nine centimeters, you can't get, or, or the, the policy was like nine centimeters. You can't get an epidural. So I remember being like, okay, well, I'm five centimeters. At that point, I had waited two hours for the doctor to show up. By the time he got there, I was like seven centimeters. And I started like, I was like, you better get the, you know, you better get them here. I had gone, I want to say like maybe at four or five in the afternoon. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was laboring, you know, I was laboring all day. And with the Braxton Hicks going leading up to it, I was probably laboring since the night before again, because I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. And I, I knew that my body was like, really, that's why, even though it was so early, I knew I was ready for it. And, mm-hmm. um, so we got there and, and Dr. Cooper came and he was like, oh, okay, you know, you're 17, you're, you're seven centimeters. I'll call in the anesthesiologist. But I remember the nurse, she almost like, I don't want to say she tried to talk me out of getting an epidural, but she was like, you've already done like the, like the, she's that, that's where I heard like the, one of the hardest parts is getting to that five centimeters. Like, she's like, you've already like done the hardest parts of labor. And she's like, and you've already <laughs> gotten through all of that. Like you might not need it. And I'm like, I looked around the face. I was like, don't tell me that I don't need, I need an epidural. Don't you tell me that I don't need it because I do. And I'm not, I like looked at her. I was like, I will not be pushing this baby out without an epidural. I'm not playing games. She's like, honey, you've already like gotten there. I'm like, don't you mess with me. But at that point they had switched me to the, um, to my room where I was going to be delivering Jack in. I don't, I think I might've called you at that point. We might've called you, but the doc, Dr. Cooper's coming in and, um, they hadn't given me an epidural at that point yet. So I would, we were waiting for the anesthesiologist and like two hours goes by and the nurse comes and, you know, I go from seven centimeters to eight centimeters. And I'm like, and, and I'm not, I'm not questioning. I, I assumed that when I was at seven centimeters, because I said, I definitely wanted it. I had said it to the nurse, but I guess like not like there was a miscommunication somewhere. I had said it to someone and whoever I said it to wasn't the person that was supposed to be getting it. But Dr. Cooper knew that I wanted an epidural. So what happened was I actually ended up, so an hour goes by, I'm at eight centimeters, another hour goes by, I'm at nine centimeters. And I'm like starting to like, I'm like, it's, I'm in pain. Like I can feel everything. Like, and I'm like, what man, like what? And I was getting nervous. Cause I was like, I know that at nine centimeters, they're saying that I can't get an epidural and Dr. Cooper had come in and they had checked me and I was nine centimeters, a little over nine centimeters. And I was like, mostly effaced. And he was like, um, what did he say? Uh, no, he checked me. He's like, you're nine centimeters. And I panicked. I'm like, no, I'm not. I said, go back to the last time you thought I was the last centimeter I was. I was like, get the anesthesia. I was like, where is the anesthesiologist? And he's like, he hasn't come like, and then he hit him like, oh, he hasn't come yet. So then he went out to the nurse and realized that there was a miscommunication and the anesthesiologist was never contacted. And at that point I went in at like oh, five ish. I know I went in at five ish. And at that point it was like nine o'clock at night. And, um, again, the nurse was like, well, you've made it this far. You're at nine centimeters. Like, it's really not going to like, you're, you're going to feel it, but it's not, you're not really going to feel it. Cause you've already gotten to this point. It's not going to feel like if you had gotten it sooner, cause you've already felt all of this, like you've already gone through the hard, hard parts. And I was like, listen to me, everybody in this room, I will not be pushing the child out of me without an, an, uh, uh, an epidural. I was like, I don't care. And then I freaked out and I told the doctor, I was like, I want an epidural. I got here early. That's not my fault. And he's like, calm down, calm down. My, like what you're my patient. And I decide what you can and can't have. Even if the policy is nine centimeters plus whatever uh, you want the, and he said, he said the same to the nurse, like you already, you're at nine centimeters. Like you're already died. Like you're already there. Like you can get it for like your peace of mind or anxiety, but really it's not going to 
affect you like it did with grace because you your body has already kind of endured that pain and you're already gotten through it so it's not going to be as effective and I was like I don't care I pitched it I was like I don't care I'm not doing this and he's like it's fine I'm the doctor I will call them in so like 20 minutes later the anesthesiologist shows up and I'm like at this point I'm like feeling it because I didn't have an epidural I could feel all the pain and I was feeling saucy and I was like dude where have you been you were able to sit still to oh, like no. be able to get there. oh no I couldn't and he was like so he came in, he went to do it. I had a contraction and he was like, you have to hold still. Like I could puncture your spinal cord, like and paralyze you. You have to hold still. Oh I'm like, God. hold still. I said, I'm nine plus centimeters dilated. Cause they waited so long to call you. And I'm like oh. dying here. Like I'm my butt. I said, I'm dude, what do you want me to say to you? Like I'm having a contraction. I'm holding still as hard as I can. So Nick had to like, literally like bear hug me and hold me down. And that, like, there was a nurse in the room, the anesthesiologist, Nick, me. And I, I think last time they had made Nick go out, but they needed someone to like contain mm-hmm. me like in between and because I had hadn't had an epidural mm-hmm. I, I was at like the nine centimeters my body was having contractions every like right, right every like two minutes yeah. like it was quick so he was like yeah so like they waited that it took probably 15 minutes for them to like figure out okay like we're gonna have to time this down to like the, the second to be able to get this in and, um, so I had a contraction and, and then right before like, like five minutes and he's looking at my back and he goes, Oh, you have a slight curvature to the spine. Like you might have like a slight case of scoliosis or something like that. And I was like, not the time <laughs> I was like, so mad. I was like, not the time. First of all, do you know what me? Tell me that I have scoliosis while I'm getting ready to deliver. Second of all, stop <laughs> playing around back there and just give me my medicine. So, oh my was, God. yeah. And at this point you and Brandy hadn't gotten there yet. Um, so Nick has me bent over and he's holding me like, and, and the nurse is like, okay, go. And like the anesthesiologist says that, and it takes him two tries to like get it in the right spot. And he gets it in. And I think it was more of a peace of mind. Like, so it definitely did not feel like, like with grace, I didn't feel anything. Like it was totally like, la la la. Like, this is great. This is easy with Jack. I felt all of like, even up until the point so they gave me the epidural and then they pushed meds to like, not, sl- I don't know if it was like to slow down, but they gave me medicine and the medicine that they had given me along with the epidural had slowed down the progression. So I was at nine something centimeters, but I wasn't quite at the 10 centimeters. Um, and once I had gotten the epidural, my body had kind of calmed down and, um, they had the nurse like, so, so that was like around nine. Now you and Brandy, I, I want to say J- Jack was born just after midnight. You and Brandy, how long were you there? You weren't there for very long. A couple of hours. Yeah. So I think we like got there 10, maybe around nine 30, 10. Yeah. So it was yeah. right after I'd gotten my epidural, you guys had come in and actually, yeah. Like if I think back to pictures, I think I remember that, um, it was like right around nine 30, 10 and you and Brandy and Maria, Maria, I think had been there before. Cause she was right down the road and you and you were coming from Vernon and, um, so yeah, you guys got there around 10 and I remember like my body relaxing and the labor progressing a lot slower than what it had been before. But I remember turning to the nurse, like, so it was 10. So maybe at 11, I looked at her and I was like, I can feel my bones moving. Like I can feel his head in my hip and my pelvis. And she's like, no, you can't, you have an epidural. And I was like, rude. You don't tell me I can feel him. I know I can. I was like, I can feel my bones widening and his head coming. Like I can feel it. And she's like, no, you're not. And she checked and she was like, okay, let me go get the doctor. And she like went and got the doctor. And at that point, Jack was like progressing down the birth canal. I wasn't pushing and he wasn't coming out yet, but I was still like, I was like nine and a half. I wasn't quite fully dilated, but he, he was coming down. Like he was getting ready to like, he was lowering and I could feel my bones like stretching and moving. And at that point, um, I remember like, I, I still felt the contractions and I remember being so peeved with the nurse because she was like, 
you can't feel it. You have an epidural. And I was like, don't tell me what I can and can't feel. I can feel it. And I could, I could feel. And they actually had to like up the dosage. And even that didn't really help. And I remember like, even during the delivery, like when Mm -hmm. it was time to push for him, I felt it all. Like I felt his, like, I could feel like, I think he had like, when he came out his head, you know, their head hits the top of your pelvic bone. And I think he like, cut the inside of my pelvic bone because I could feel the scraping of his skull against my flesh coming through. And it was, it was wild, but yeah. So what was the question again? (laughs) How long was I in labor? So between like five officially at the hospital between five and I think Jack was born. I know he was born just after midnight because I remember wanting him to be born on the sixth because Mm -hmm. my birthday is on the eighth. And I remember saying like, Jack, because Jenny had grace, I was not staying in the hospital a minute longer than I needed to. So I remember asking, what is the amount of time that I have to stay in the hospital for? And my doctor was like, oh, it, you know, 20, I think legally it's 24 hours as long as there's no complications. And I was like, okay, I want to get out of here. Like I want no games. Like I want to get out of here as soon as possible. So he was delivered just after midnight. And again, I had told mm-hmm. you, I, you had told the story about how the doc, other doctor was like, oh, someone else is pushing. Dr. Cooper had come in at like 11 and he was like, okay. Like he was in between like sleeping and like awake and cause he was sleeping in one of the on-call rooms. And he was like, okay, the next door doctor, like he, we got a bet going on and like, you know, they, they've been, pu- they're going to start, they've been pushing for two hours and you haven't even started yet. <laughs> but like, I'm telling you, like, we, like, we're going to win this bet. Like we're going to get this baby out. And I, and that like, to me amped me up. And I was like, like, okay, game on, like, we're going to get this baby out before that other baby, no time for games. And I'm not a wimp. I'm not going to sit in here for, you know, I'm, I'm going to get this baby out and I'm not playing games. I'm done. Like I'm done with all of it. That's so funny. We'll have to ask our listeners if any of their doctors have used that same tactic on them. Cause my doctor, no, definitely not. Pretty totally sure our doctors places, but it, it probably is like one of those things where they ask you, you, where they talk about it and they do that. But yeah. So I would say, so like, I mean, i definitely was in labor before, but I yeah. was in the hospital from four ish, five to midnight. So it's like six hours until Jack was born. Do you remember how long I pushed? It wasn't very long. It was like 20 grace. Mm. Grace was like 10 minutes. Jack was like 20. Yeah. Grace uh, was like 10 minutes. Jack was, was like quick. 20. And again, yeah, I quick. just like grace, I was like, I can't push any longer. And, um, I remember you and Brandy, you guys were in the room with me and it was like time to push or whatever. And you guys were both up by my head. Nick was by my head. Maria's Maria's just like standing out on the right-hand side. And Mm -hmm. you and Brandy were on the left side with Nick. And you guys are all just like looking at my face. And I looked at the two of you and I'm like, are you here to see a birth? Or are you here to watch my face? Like if you, you're going to miss it, like you have to get And You guys are like, what? And I was like, well, then get out. Like, if you don't want to witness it, then get out. Like this is the whole (laughs) point of being here is not to look at my face. It's to look at the baby coming into the world. And I remember seeing your face and you panicking and being like, why does he look like that? And then I remember Dr. Cooper telling you like, no, it's fine. His skin is just squished. You're like, he's supposed to be that color. (laughs) He looks really rough. I remember your face. It was like, you were, you were like shocked. Your eyes were so wide and your eyebrows were in your hairline. It was wild. Yeah. It was, it was really, really interesting to see somebody be born like that. And that's so interesting too, that you were like, get down there. You guys don't want to miss this show. Cause I feel like if I had people in the room, I would be fine if they wanted to go and get the whole shebang show but if they also wanted to stay up by my head well it's not that that, it's not that I was like oh go look at my vagina no like I was I was like you're here for a birth right like you want to see a child come into the world so by looking at my face I know you're not witnessing a child coming into the world you're watching me push a child into the world so it's you know you you, if you really want to see how a child comes in the world you got to be on the other end of it (laughs) 
Yeah. And I remember you guys being like hesitant, like, oh, are you sure? And oh, I was like, saw, yeah, like, what? It. yeah. Why are you here? Sure. Like, are you here for this? Or are you not here for this? Cause if you're not, the door's right there. See your way out. Like now when you, I don't know if you were, you started to like, have yeah. Lunch or what, but so were you um, a lot after Jack what had happened was like punch you because it had stalled out a little bit. And like at like 11 o'clock, they had given me what is Pitocin Pitocin pushes for the labor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pitocin yes. makes so, you go into like Right. This. So I had gotten to the not. So, so between like 10 and 11, there was no progression and, um, I was feeling things and it was hurting, but there was no progression in my cervix. So I, they had pushed Pitocin to like, kind of like re-kickstart everything after they had gotten me my epidural two hours earlier. And I don't know if it was the Pitocin or what, but they had given me some type of medicine that I don't know if it was a blood thinner or if they typically do that, but basically, so once Jack was born, like, so I, I pushed for 20 minutes and I remember the same thing, like with grace, I was like, he's not coming out. It's been 20 minutes. Cut me. And Dr. Cooper like asked me again, like, are you sure? <clears throat> and I was like, yes. Cut. Do you remember that? Do you remember me telling him like, just cut, just cut me. I was like, cause I don't know how much longer no. I can do this for just cut me. And he did. And he cut me. And right after that, Jack had come out. Um, and it was like that easy, which I shouldn't say that easy, but it was, you know, it was just that, that, that was it. Like the hole was not big enough. So he had to be, cut, I had to be cut. So that way his head could fit through. And then he was here. And after that, again, just like with grace, everyone had rushed over to Jack and he was in that like koala warmer and they're wiping him down. And there's like pictures of everyone like over there. And I was by myself again on the table feeling cold after I, same thing with both of them. After I gave birth, I felt so cold. Like you feel hot and like you're dying while you're giving birth. And like, it's like so, so hard. And like, as soon as the baby comes out, it's like almost like you, you know, when you work out and then your sweat is drying and it cools you down. Like I felt like cold. So I had a similar experience. I don't know if I felt cold, but I remember my teeth were chattering like nonstop. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was adrenaline or drugs or both, but maybe Mm -hmm. I was cold too. I don't remember, but yeah, I just remember my teeth like uncontrollably, like just chattering. So, yeah. Well, and I remember being so cold. And again, one of the things they don't tell you at the first time of your birth is that you have to deliver the placenta afterwards. So I had, so I went to deliver the placenta and only, only parts of it, not all of it came out. Um, so when they had taken the placenta out, I remember seeing Dr. Cooper and he was, everyone else is with the baby. And I don't, I don't think anyone was by me at this point. It was just me, Dr. Cooper and the nurse. And I remember him looking, you know, between my legs where I'm delivering the placenta and a piece of, I see it come out and I see his hands throw something to the side and I see him look down and I could just see his eyes get like, just not a lot, but just enough wider. And I remember him, his eyes got wider. And then he looked up directly at the nurse and he was like, you need to like, he, he said, that's more bleeding than I'm hoping for. Um, and he looked at her like with an urgency without sounding like panic though. But in my head, I could see, I could see that he had panic because I had known Dr. Cooper forever. And I could see in his face, the way that he was reacting to what was happening, that it wasn't supposed to happen quite like that. So he was like, that's more blood than we're hoping for. And he looked at the nurse. He's like, you need to palpate the whatever the uterus. So sometimes what happens is they'll like massage, quote unquote, massage your uterus to help it contract. Mm -hmm. And what happened was as it was contracting, more blood was coming out because the whole placenta didn't come out. So he was like, that's more blood than I want. And it all happened within a matter of like two minutes. And he, and and he's like, you need to stop the bleeding. He said that to he said, that's more blood than I want. And he he looks, he's like palpate. And and, um, I'm pretty sure I remember this massaging. Yeah. She starts like massaging my stomach, like not hard, but not like, like, like a hard massage, like hard into my, and it's hurting. And I'm like, ow, that hurts your, this hurts. And he looks up at her and he's like, you need to stop the bleeding now. And she like, basically like (laughs) kind of like open fisted, like 
punched my stomach, like punched my uterus. And was like a couple of times. And I'm like, what? The f-? And I could see Dr. Cooper's face being like, like there, that's more bleeding than we need. He's like, he's, and then he, he, there was two nurses there. She, one of them was hitting my uterus, trying to get it to contract. And the second nurse was, um, he said something to her. I don't remember what the medicine was, but they pushed some type of medicine that, um, actually afterwards, that's, that's another like thing that I had known, like why that was not supposed to happen too. Um, after I had given birth that next day, I was so swollen all of me, like, and that didn't happen with grace to the point where I, my feet couldn't fit at all. Like I looked like the Michelin man, it was mm-hmm. rough. And, um, I had asked, I was like, is that normal? Is that okay? And he's like, yeah, it's because of the medicine that we had pushed to, um, cause your blood to like stop bleeding because you were bleeding more than what you should have been. And, you know, we needed to, they, so they pushed some type of medicine and, and the medicine was what helped my blood coagulate, but it took probably a good five minutes of him. Like, I don't want to say panicking because he handled it very professionally. Um, but as my doctor that I've had forever and having gone through birth before, I could tell that what was happening wasn't necessarily normal. So yes, I did bleed. I did start to bleed out. Not really bad, not to the point where I needed like a blood transfusion, but I did start to bleed because of, and they had gotten that other piece of the placenta out after that five minutes. And, um, he didn't really talk to me after that. Like he didn't talk to me about what had happened, but when I had gone in, um, for the first checkup, like the day after two days after when I'd gone in and I was like, yeah, I'm like my, my ankles. And he was like, yeah, that's because when you were delivering your placenta piece of it was in and you were bleeding more than you should have been. So we had to push medicine and the medicine had caused significant swelling. It's what's like a side effect of it or whatever that happens when you push a lot of that medicine. And they had pushed a lot of that medicine at that point to stop the bleeding. I feel like you're talking about this very enthusiastically. Like for me, like that, sounds like it could have been a very traumatic situation and a traumatic birth, but you're just kind of like, yeah, you know, like you didn't get your epidural until you were nine centimeters. Like for some women, that's like really, really hard for them to, to go that far. And I feel like you're really lucky too to have been able mm-hmm. to get your epidural and, um, oh yeah. Like, and my doctor that, to be able to like fulfill my wishes. That is yeah, not absolutely. the norm. Cause I know women who have made it, they were less than nine centimeters, but they were already too far along. And they were like, Nope, sorry, you can't get it. And you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of women who do want their epidural, that's like really, really hard because like you've said before too, it's so hard to be present and to enjoy that experience when you're in that mm-hmm. much pain. So then for you to I don't know, just have all of that whole experience. And then the, I don't know if you were quite hemorrhaging, but that's what it sounds like. You were bleeding too much. After. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was bleeding more. Yeah. More yeah. than I should. I don't know if I call it a hemorrhage, but yeah. But yeah. So that's just, I mean, it's definitely scary, but, and I, I, you know, it, I remember that happening. Like I do remember there being like, I remember seeing blood kind of like it, it almost like sprayed after he was born. Um, and mm-hmm. I do remember that, but I also have to say like the mood in the room was very calm. Like, like mm-hmm. Kiana had said during that whole thing, you know, no, none of us were rushed out. Um, Dr. Cooper was extremely professional and handled the situation really well. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not, it, it is hindsight is 2020, right? Like, so I'm recalling these events. Jack is now five, five years later. If you would ask me fresh, like, you know, kind of like with you and Jeffrey, like a year after it happened, there may be more details or there may be more emotion attached to it. I do think that there was a, a sense of calm in the room and in myself, because I, if there's one thing I know, I know I have anxiety, I know I have like self-diagnosed anxiety and I'm an anxious person as it is. So knowing that I'm an anxious person, I almost like oftentimes shut myself down 
like, like not wanting to go to the hospital before I actually was in active labor. So even though in my mind, like in my mind, I was like in labor for days, like in, in my, you know, in my mind, but like, I kind of had to like flip the switch and kind of pretend like I was talking to myself and be like, okay, we're not going to be dramatic. (laughs) We're not going to freak out. Like, this is like, that's not going to help the situation. And it's kind of like, as you know, good and bad as he was my dad coming into, you know, my head being like, freaking out is the worst thing you can do in in a situation where there's a lot of emotion or intensities, like going into labor or like bleeding more than you should have. Um, because it's not going to help anyone. And all it's going to do is cause a panic. So was I nervous and scared at the time? Yes, absolutely. But I also trusted that Dr. Cooper knew what he was doing. And if there was something to be significantly seriously concerned about, he would have let me know. Mm -hmm. And he did what he needed to do. And the nurse did what she needed to do. And the other nurse, even though I didn't like being assaulted and punched in the stomach to get my, um, uterus to contract. Um, it definitely, everyone was there for a reason and they handled it so perfectly that Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't feel more blessed to have Dr. Cooper as my doctor and be able to deliver at a place like Dick Kimball where I felt comfortable and the doctor, I felt confidence in, in the procedure and the doctors and all of all, and he was willing to meet my wishes. And I think that's another reason why it's so, so important to make sure that you have someone in the room who will abide by quote unquote, your quote birth plan. There are things that you definitely want. Nothing goes to a T and birth plans get thrown out the window so fast, but there are certain like non-negotiables like me getting an epidural or like me getting an episiotomy or those types of things where you just want to trust that your provider and your caregiver and your partner who's in the room is going to make sure that that, that happens as smoothly and as calmly as possible without it being without everything being thrown out the window or without your non-negotiables being put to the side. Mm-hmm. I agree. So speaking about day Kimball, was there anything different at the hospital or do you remember, was the hospital experience like exactly the same from when you gave birth to grace or were the rooms different or was anything different? So I was in a different room, obviously they have like, <laughs> I think they have like 10 or 15 rooms. That would be wild. If I was in the same one. <laughs> yeah, no, I was in a different room but with grace, and I think we had talked about this, the difference between you having JT and grace with grace, they took her out of the room. Like they needed to run tests and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Like they took her out of the room for a little while and I didn't want them to take her out of the rooms. Um, but the lady's like, go to sleep. Like, it's fine. And I was like, no, I don't want you to take her from me. I just had a baby and I want her. And they're like, no, like you're going to have her for the next rest of her life. Like we're going to take her and we're going to do the test and she'll be back in a few hours. They didn't do that with Jack. The only time they took him was when he had um, his circumcision. Mm-hmm all of the other tests had been performed in the room and he really had like immediate, he, he just was with us the whole time. Um, so that was different. The, um, I think the baby warmers were a little bit different. Like the, the one that Jack had was a little bit more modern. It had like a scale on it and stuff. And the, but the room itself was pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the baby warmers, I think they're like the koala cares or whatever they're called was different, but that was a big difference. And that you had experience with J2 too, with them not taking, did they take, they obviously took him out of them for the circumcision, right? Yeah. I think they did for the circumcision and they did take him out, um, like throughout the day for different tests and stuff. I, I think mm-hmm. some were routine and then other stuff were related to like the, his swelling and they were trying to figure out what mm-hmm. was going on with that. But I would say most of like they like um I know some hospitals and I, I don't know if all hospitals do this or if now it's not really as recommended. Um I know like in the past they might take the baby to like a nursery in a hospital. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if hospitals still have that because I think the status quo now is to to leave baby with parents 
So that way parents can mm -hmm. get that bonding or skin to skin. I think that's really right. encouraged versus like putting the baby in a big open space nursery with like other babies and the nurses tend to them, especially if you're mm -hmm. breastfeeding. I feel like having the baby right there with you is, is definitely important. That's my opinion. Yeah, no. And, and I agree. And I, and I do know though, that there are some, I, I've had other mom friends who have had kids afterwards mm -hmm. and you know, they're on like baby three or four and they're like, yeah, I asked the nurses to take the baby out of the room what? because I'm tired. And I know that I'm not going to have any sleep between now and then. So like after delivering a bit, like, like we had talked about before, mm -hmm. like you've basically run a marathon. So sometimes like the only thing you, you just need sleep. You just need to like ha give your body a moment to relax. And I know that there are some moms that were like, that's interesting that I talked to that were like, yeah, take, like, take the baby for a few hours. Like it's like, I remember like, take my baby away, but they're like, you know, I, I could, you, I know the baby being in the room, I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to want to hold them or, you know, attend to them. And I do need some time to recuperate. I, cause after Jeffrey was born, I could not like sleep. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it just was not on the table. It was like five, 6 AM. So it was the beginning of the day, even though I was exhausted because I had not slept the whole night before, there's no mm -hmm. way I would have gone to sleep, but I don't remember him crying a lot. Like he slept and was so he would kind of like mm, mm, make these little whimper noises. And I remember asking the nurse, like, how come he's not crying? How come he doesn't need like a diaper change? And she's like, you're like complaining that your baby's being, yeah, I was like, he, is he, is there something wrong with him? Like he's not, he's not crying. And she said, birth is a very traumatic experience for you and for him. It's exhausting. So he's really tired too. Like he's mm -hmm. going to sleep a lot today and probably for the next few weeks, he'll be sleeping a lot. And that was something mm -hmm. that I definitely, you know, underestimated or didn't quite realize is those first few days, especially like the baby just sleeps all the time. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, yes, all the time, but sometimes it's in short periods and you don't sleep, even if the baby is like you were saying, like you still can't and same, like same thing. Like I can't, I don't even remember at this point, but I know that especially with grace, it was just one of those things where it's like, you're too, you too many hormones and I'm yeah. exactly. Yeah. You, it's like, good luck. Good luck. If you actually can sleep cheers to the moms who can, but I definitely wasn't I wasn't one of the ones that could get it, but I do know that, um, it's kind of like a side story, Jack being circumcised. So I, beforehand, I mean, I knew that I wanted him to be circumcised mm -hmm. and I had done research. So I don't know if it's changed now, but five years ago, there's two methods to do circumcision. And I had like done my research on it. And I was like, very, like, I wanted to know which one they were going to do and how that was going to heal and how long it was going to take. And cause I was like, very like, and I remember like, I watched like like probably 20 YouTube videos on like what happens, like, you know, cartoons of like, this is how it happens. This is what happens. This is how to heal. This is all these things. And I remember like other moms were like, why are you torturing yourself? Just don't even think about it. He, I'm like, but he, it's a procedure that he has to get done. And he's a little baby. And like, it's a hard thing to like, say like, go ahead, go cut my baby mm -hmm. and they're brand new. And I absolutely wanted it done. I knew I wanted it done, but I just wanted it done in a way that was like the least harmful to him. But I remember it being like very concerned with how they were going to do it and how, you know, what it was going to like, Oh, I can't even imagine if you're the doctor that has to do it or if it's an, I don't know who does it, but that's going to be the worst job ever. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. Mm, yeah. You didn't think about it at all with JT. I cried. I, I like said to Jeff, I told Jeff it was his decision on whether or not mm -hmm. we got him circumcised because I could care less mm -hmm. or I say that, but I, I, I mean, my husband is circumcised. So I feel like that was just what we should have done. And Jeff, mm -hmm. Jeff felt similarly. He did say mm -hmm. that, you know, he thought that it was 
hygiene was easier if you are circumcised. Like, obviously, it's not impossible if you're not. But Mm -hmm. that was just I think they often say, yeah, like they met like not only that, but like growing up too. like if dad is then and yours looks different, it's probably a little bit like kind of confusing or traumatizing me. Like, how come mine's so different? Or if it isn't, you know, vice versa. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I personally would have been I know that it's somewhat of a controversial topic these days on whether or not to Mm -hmm. do it. You know, um, some people compare it to like genital mutilation and I mean, to be completely frank, if you look up what genital mutilation is, it kind of is a form of that. So, I mean, take it for what you will, but, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about, about it. And I know that there are people who are not circumcised and they have totally okay hygiene, um, just like people who are. So I think you got to do whatever is best for you and your family and, but yeah. JT was circumcised and I cried and I felt so bad. And I remember we just yeah. had to put like bacitracin on it and a little piece of mm-hmm. gauze for a couple yep. of days. Vaseline. It's so sad. Yeah, it was it's so sad. I hated that part. But yeah, bad. I remember after that, that was what took, if he didn't need to be circumcised, we would have been able to be out of there sooner. But so I gave birth at like, it was like 12, Oh, it was like 1210 or 1209, just after the sixth. And I was like, son of a gun. I was so mad because I was trying so hard to give birth on the sixth and it ended up being the seventh. And I, so, so the seventh is when I officially was like, I think, I think I, I know I got out the morning of my birthday. So I was out of there by the eighth. So I gave birth to Jack at like 1210 on the seventh mm-hmm. and I was out of the hospital that next morning. Mm-hmm. So it was one night in the hospital with him. And, and I think that was because he had to be circumcised and there's a certain amount of time that you have to wait for some of the tests and all that and insurance purposes. But I remember coming home and after Jack was, how long did you stay after Jack was born? A couple of days, I think. I don't remember. No, no, no. Like you stayed in, you stayed in the room and he was born probably to like one or two or whatever, when everything calmed down a little bit. Yeah. And then I remember I went back to your house, but did I, I think we had, did you get grace? I think did Brandy and I grace? must have picked up grace, but I'm trying to like put that together in my head. Cause I'm like, would we have gone and picked her up from Ginny's house in the middle of the night? That doesn't sound right. No, I think Ginny, I think Ginny dropped her. Did Ginny drop her off? No, you know what? I think Brandy and I might've went back to your house and we slept at your house. And then that next mm-hmm. day, I'm pretty sure I went and picked up grace and then I think we went to like the dollar store and we got balloons and decorations to decorate for, mm-hmm. for your birthday and for the baby. Um, and I think that night, so the night of the seventh, we, I spent with grace at your house and then you must've come mm-hmm. home the morning of the eighth on your birthday. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. And yep. Yeah. That, that makes sense. But yeah, I remember coming home and you and Brandy had had like balloons and archway everywhere. And like my feet were swollen, like ridiculously. And <laughs> It was quite, it was quite the thing. It's funny how you remember like the newborn days and like what you did, like there are certain like smells and foods and TV shows and music that just resonate with like that time. And I I think I had mentioned it before with Grace, but like with Jack, it was with Jack, it was, um, Hawaii five Oh, I had watched like all, like, I just, him and I would just sit in bed and we'd watch Hawaii five Oh and I'd rock him and he'd sleep and it was kind of a surreal time, like just thinking back on, on it. Did you have a show that you watched with JT? Yeah. It was called the midwife. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had talked about that. Yeah. yeah. So did you ever, did you finish all of that show? Have you watched it since? I have not watched it since. I don't know if I finished it. 
it just kind of like the seasons kept coming and you ever watch a show and maybe this is the whole premise of a lot of shows but there's always just something bad happening like Mm -hmm. like the characters never the story never goes as you want it to go and I don't know if that was just depressing for me or what but I can't I can't remember if I finished it I'll have to check Netflix and see if I did or not sometimes that happens I'll be watching a show and I'll really be into it and then all of a sudden I'll just be like meh I'm over this yeah so did we eat did I eat after Jack I was gonna ask you that I don't remember I mean it would have been so late I can't imagine that anything would have been open I know I don't think yeah I don't think I did I think it was like hot like I think I just had like snacks because I I remember at the time I believe my friend Sam Boccaccio had put together like a bag for me kind of like one that I had put together for you with Mm -hmm. snacks and you know lotions and things that would make you feel better afterwards um and I think maybe I had had I think I was living on a certain type of granola bar I forget which kind they were but I think she had packed me like a granola several several granola bars and that's what I had ate just granola bars (laughs) until the next day Ugh, I don't. That is something that I will not be skimping on this next time around. I'm not pregnant, but what? when I do get pregnant, food. yeah, like I will be making sure Jeff has a list of food that I want, and he'll be going to get it because the hospital food was see. So I, and I puked with both of them, like in labor, I puked. So I'm so huh. surprised that like you feel like you can eat and not vomit. No, it would be after the fact. You're not allowed to eat. Okay. I will definitely be. No, I know, having, but like before you go to the hospital, like I'll be definitely having a meal before I go to the hospital. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, I will definitely be feeding myself before. I will not be playing those games again. No. <laughs> so yeah. So is there anything difficult about the experience in like the new early newborn days? Like, did you have any issues with breastfeeding, or did that all kind of come naturally, like riding a bike? Yeah, it was. It? Yeah, it's not about forgetting. It's just like between you and the baby for me, or between me and my children, like they just kind of knew what to do and my body knew what to do. And it all just kind of happened the way it was supposed to really just kind of, there was no real difficulties with any of it. Jack latched fine. Um, he took binkies fine, he took bottles fine. He was very cranky, ba- like afterwards, like around six months, he was a very cranky baby. Like, I don't want to say cranky baby, but he just, he would like, he would cry sometimes for hours and like, we'd put him in the car and he would cry and cry and cry. And I remember I say, like, that's the start of when people were like, something's wrong. Well, I can remember, I can remember you went to the doctors and you said to Dr. Cooper, like Dr. Cooper, he gets so upset in the car seat. Like he turns red and he starts sweating. Like what is going mm-hmm. on? And I remember we laughed about it then. And Dr. Cooper was like, yeah, that's called anger. Ha ha ha. And we were like, oh my gosh, like what? So yeah, I do remember, I can remember too, we'd be in the car and he would start crying and one of us would like hop back there and try to console him. But I, mm-hmm. I, I do remember he definitely seemed to, you were the one who could definitely get him to calm down more so than right. else. Yeah. And, and that, that was different because with Grace, she was so easy you could just like anyone could take her and go in the room and she was correct and she was fine she was happy she like didn't care who she was with with jack he really only wanted to be with me like he would cry most with most i mean there was a select few that could hold him and he wouldn't fuss but i remember him being like four or five months old and i want to say i think it was maria who was like 
he's getting to the point where now where he doesn't cry when I hold him or someone had said that to me and they were like, Oh, like, it's okay. Like now he like likes me and they were excited. And, and it wasn't that I, th- I think Jack just with autism, the way that I see it is Jack <clears throat> sees the world differently. And I think the way that he perceived the world, especially as a baby was just so different than what Grace did. And he just, he knew what was comforting to him. And at that point in time, it was, it was mainly me. Um, even Nick, like Nick could hold him and, and he, he could help him, but it wasn't like, like with me, Jack always needed to be like with me. Um, you know, which hindsight you've at that time, I felt like, Oh my God, I'm never going to be able to get out of this. But now it's like, you know, he's five and he's running around and he doesn't really need me. And he <laughs> asks for dad all the time and that's fine. But I remember going through it and being like, I would just cry. He would cry and I would cry and it, we would spend hours crying in his nursery and I would rock in the chair. And I was just like, this is never going to end. And this is before the autism. This was like back when he was little, little and you know, the whole, let your baby cry it out or don't let your baby cry it out. Or he's too attached because he wants you so much. And it's like, there was just so many, so much information coming in that people were like, you're doing this wrong. And maybe it's because you're doing that wrong that, um, it felt oftentimes like, like people were telling me that my baby was broken and that he wasn't, that there was something wrong with him. And, you know, he was a bad baby because of it, or, you know, he's cranky or this or that. And I remember one of the, I don't want to say like it was relieving, but one of the things that I had felt when we found out that he had autism when he was two was like, oh, it's not his fault. And I I remember, I remember that being a really almost relief, profound feeling, not even relief. It's just like, it, it was kind of like, he's not a bad kid. Like, it's not that he's just being a pain in the butt. He just can't, he genuinely couldn't help it and can't help it. And Mm -hmm. and I remember, I remember it being just kind of like a little bit of a weight lifted off of my shoulders and his of being like, all right, now anyone who tells me something's wrong with him or whatever, like, you know, they can, I, I had, I had a ground to stand on to be like, yes, his mind does not work like yours or mine does. And that's fine. Like, but there's nothing wrong with him. He's still, you know, he's still a little child. He's still a boy and he still just needs to be comforted the way that he needs to be comforted. Dude, but I remember did he have any way. issues with like, um, eating or, or like, as I'm Googling, what is colic? Cause you know how people say, Oh, the baby is colicky. And I, mm-hmm. I always thought colic was gas, but I guess colic is not gas. Like I always associated colic with being maybe, um, the baby has like an allergy to something in your breast milk or Mm -hmm. like a a milk allergy in the formula or something like that. But I'm Googling what is colic and colic is predictable periods of significant distress in an otherwise well-fed healthy baby. So I don't, so basically gas and colic don't necessarily correlate, but a colicky baby could also have allergies or gas. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting because well, with Jack, and that was something that we had thought about too. So I had like altered my diet thinking maybe, you know, the breast milk, maybe something he was eating was giving him, but he was a relatively great eater up until about one, like he would eat plain spinach. He was eating chicken. He was eating steak. He was eating, he was eating everything, anything we put in front of him. There really wasn't anything that he wouldn't eat up until about one. And then when he hit one, he started to do this, like certain textures would make him gag and he would overstuff his mouth with granola bars. And then he just became very, but by the time that he was like walking and being able to do all of these things, he kind of started to like, I don't want to say get an attitude, but he was just kind of like, well, I don't like that. So now I'm not going to eat it because <laughs> I don't like the taste of it. I don't like the texture of it. Whereas oh, before, like my gosh. he was, he was, he would just, he, he would just eat it. And I remember thinking it was so weird that he ate plain cold spinach. <laughs> and now the kid, like 
he's so specific with foods that it's funny, but he's getting better. He's getting a lot better, but I remember. So this being like him being a good eater when he was little. That's stressing me out hearing you say that because JT is now a little over 13 months. He just turned. Yeah. 13 months, a few days ago. And Mm -hmm. when you said that, you know, he would eat raw spinach and chicken and all of this stuff. I'm like, yep, that sounds like Jeffrey. So Jeffrey has been eating really well for a long time. Like his daycare teacher always says, I can't believe he ate that like chopped up cucumber and tomato mozzarella, like salads and things like that. Like the kid would literally just eat anything you put in front of him. (laughs) So last week he stopped eating like a few days at daycare. He just did not eat any of the meals that I packed for him. And we actually just had blood work done and his, his, uh, iron was a little low. So they want to mm-hmm. supplement his diet with iron drops. And I'm like, mm, let's wait on that. Let's just give him some more ground beef and things like that. Cause I don't prepare a lot of ground beef. So yeah, we've been trying to give him beef and nope, he won't eat it. He is, <laughs> he, he won't eat cheese. <laughs> the kid wants to live off of bananas and puffs. I'm like, you can't live off of bananas and puffs. <laughs> I want to live off of carbs too, but no, we can't do that. No. <laughs> the kid wants to live off of oh bananas my gosh. and puffs. I was like, and, and uh, it's funny because I'm like, you know, there's been times where I'm like, I can't believe Jack only eats pepperonis and dinosaur chicken nuggets. Like, you know, Kiana must have just, she must have just been a uh, stuffer. And, and Z-Bars. And Z-Bars. Z-Bars is like, yes, is Z-bars. like the, that's a staple. Like, listen, that's the main, well, that, well, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. He's now no longer eating I know, but things, I'm like, but I'm like, you know eating what? yogurt and other I'm things. Always, but... I've always been like, Kiana's just a sucker. She gave in way too easily. She should have just kept trying to feed him those other things. Listen, when your kid does not eat, well, refu- refuses to eat anything at that point, you're like, okay, you know what? I don't care. Anything. Just eat anything something, goes. please. So I have to say, I haven't broke on the, the chicken nuggets front yet. He still has not had a chicken nugget, but nobody had fish sticks. He did. He had, yeah, he had some fish sticks. So it's, it's stressful. Nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and having a, and that's eater. why like they say like fed is fed, you know, what? like, let's be real. All of us, we've been there. We've judged that mom that gives her kid just chicken nuggets or pep, like for me weird, like, and it has to be like. I don't want to call it fried because like there's all grease in cooked. a pepperoni, whether it's cooked or not, but it has to be cooked in a crunch. Like it's a texture thing. He, he needs it to be crunchy. Mm-hmm. And like, that was the longest for the longest time. And I actually can say to you, right. Stand, like talking right now, I cannot think of the last time that Jack had pepperonis. I have a whole container of pepperonis that like, I used to have to buy the big container like once a week and I have had it now for two weeks and he hasn't touched a pepperoni. So <laughs> It, it, like it, it's ebb and flow, man. Like, it's like, you do what you can, you fit what you can in. And now that we're, again, we have the ABA, he's doing a lot better. Like he'll eat a carrot. It's so funny. He'll eat a carrot. And then he's convinced he's Hercules. So he's like, I'm strong. And he'll like walk over to the couch and like lift up a corner of the couch. And he'll walk up to you and like wrap his hands around your legs. So you got to like go up on your tippy toes and be like, wow, you're so strong. So we're convincing him that if he eats good food, then he'll be strong. So he's been eating eggs and which is good because he wasn't eating eggs for the longest time. And now he eats carrots and yogurt and little bits of things here and there. You take what you can get when you can get them. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like we're naturally, naturally nearing our end. Why don't we talk about our moment of grace this week? I think we might have a joint moment of grace. Yeah. So I, my moment of grace, and I think this is Kiana's too, but I don't want to steal her thunder was last week. We did not record and we did not put out an episode and we are okay with that because we were just giving ourselves some grace. It was a busy week and life got ahead of us. Before we knew it, it was the end of the week. And we're like, oh, mm, what are we going to do? 
I know. Tell me about it. School's about to start soon. And it's like, it's like the rush to get everything that you wanted to get done in the summer. Now in the next two weeks, we got to get it all done and over with. And then it's fair season and birthdays and grace will be 11 in a couple of weeks. So, so many things on the agenda, but definitely that is our moment of grace that we gave ourselves that week off of don't worry about it. And we'll get back to it this week. And here we are. So that's all from us. Bye guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon guys.